1: On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Stay tuned, as usual, to the end of the interview, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes, and all the show notes are over at theentrepreneurethos.com. Thanks for listening, thanks for the ratings and reviews, thanks for the retweets, thanks for everything. Now, on to my guest for today, Carlene montes Dioca, author of Dog is My Doctor, Cat is My Nurse, An Animal Lover's Guide to a Healthy, Happy, and Extraordinary Life. Carlene had previous careers as a film editor and then as an acupuncturist and a nutritional consultant. While these were satisfying jobs, she kept having a nagging feeling that there was something else she was supposed to be doing, namely writing. So one day, she finally decided to hire a coach to help, and she started writing. Carleen had embraced the concept of being an authorpreneur. In addition to making time for writing, she schedules in time for marketing and for learning as much as she can about the craft of writing, marketing, and promotion. She didn't just leave promotion of her book to her publicist. Instead, she and the publicist split the country in half and went after it. As a result, Carleen got herself out there by talking to as many people and organizations as she could and presenting at conferences and even giving a TEDx talk. Now, let's get better together. Carleen Montes de Oca, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
1: Well, I'm happy to have you because we met through Brooke Warner, who I've talked about occasionally. She is my men, my memoir coach, been helping me do the memoir um, that I'm writing about my late wife Jane and I's um, adventures in leukemia, if you can call it that. Uh, but you're a author, speaker, award-winning author, animal human health expert. You've written all sorts of cool books. The latest is Dog is my doctor, cat is my nurse. Wow. <laughs> and then that's just really cool. And I know um we well, I have a special place in my heart for authors. I think authors should act like entrepreneurs more. And I also think entrepreneurs should act a little bit more like authors uh, because there's a lot of a lot of overlap between them. Um and I want to talk all about that. I want to talk about what you're doing with your books and you know your your, your practice of, of helping people. I think, live better lives and just sound just sounds so such good stuff. But before we get into all that, as I always like to say, tell us how you got to do what you're doing today.
2: Well, I got to do what I'm doing today by spending a lot of years not doing what I wanted to do. And by that, I mean, I had two professions prior to being an author. In my first profession, I was working in film editing. So I worked on a bunch of kind of big movies, but I burned out on that. And then after that, I went to school and got my master's degree in traditional Chinese medicine and set up my own private practice with acupuncture and plant-based nutrition. But the thing was that, although those are great professions, and I learned so much from both of them, I knew there was something just tugging at my heartstrings and making me just feel like I'm still not where I know that I'm supposed to be, or I'm not doing what it is. I think I was called here on this planet to do. And how that always looked was it made me unhappy. I would, I would be okay doing my jobs and doing things and enjoying life, but I just felt this need to to write, and I knew it was writing, but I had a lot of self-limiting beliefs, a lot of fears. As an author, maybe you feel this sometimes, where you think, "Gosh, you know, what a fraud!
1: Oh, <laughs> what do you know? every every day, <laughs> every day I that. Uh,
2: well, I, I did definitely felt that for years. And one day, I literally got out of bed and knew that I could not take a step forward unless I started doing it. I literally knew that if today was not the day that I made a change in my life. It was never going to happen. And I'd leave this planet not doing the number one thing that I wanted to do, which was to write and tell stories and in particular uh, topics focused around animals. Mm -hmm. So I actually uh, got out of bed and talked to my husband and said, I think I need a coach. I think I need people to help me because I don't know what I'm doing. And after that, things started to change. I got the help that I needed. And I finished my book, which was my first book was called Dog as My Doctor, Cat as My Nurse. Mm -hmm. And it's an animal lover's guide to living healthier, happier and a more extraordinary life. And what happened after that was things snowballed. It was as if I think the universe said, hey, you're on track now, we're going to help you out. And I remember it just, it just snowballed. I did a book tour, and I invited different or animal organizations to come to the book tour and we adopted dogs we adopted cats out at those book readings i gave a portion of my proceeds to the different organizations so it was really for me really felt good to be able to help that way and then i did like over 100 media appearances i did tv and oh wow newspapers and it wow. was amazing it was so cool and it just kept snowballing and i even got to do a tedx talk and also. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I got to speak, you know, in Europe. So things things started to change and I was just so grateful and so amazed that once I finally made that decision to follow what I felt was really my true calling, things started to shift. And so now I find myself living in Santa Fe, New Mexico as a full-time authorpreneur.
1: Authorpreneur, <laughs> you've been listening to Joanna Penn. Nora. Yes, I have. <laughs> hey, Joanna, how's it going? Yeah, I love Joanna Penn. I was on her show a while ago. Ah. I just love her attitude too. Mm-hmm. Like she's mm-hmm. been instrumental in my thinking more and more about authorpreneurs. Why? you have to have a lot of entrepreneurial skills to be an author. This is like, I always tell like startups, I said, well, half the battle is building the thing. The other half the battle is selling the thing or promoting mm-hmm. the thing. The same exact thing is true for being a writer. <laughs> There's no ands, ifs, or buts about it. So, wow. And I noticed that you were on the movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, ah. which is one of the movies that my fiance's daughter loves. And because we're, we're, we're exposing her to those movies of the, you know, eighties and nineties when we were kids, <laughs> they're like, Oh, this is so um, that's really cool. And, and, and it sounds like that kind of industry though, you know, you burnt out on it or wanted to go a different way. Um, is there anything from that kind of experience that sort of jumps over to what you're doing today? Because one of the things I've found about creative endeavors, any kind of creative endeavor is that there's, there's these sort of themes, like things kind of rhyme, and I'm just curious if what you took from that experience and what you do in your as an entrepreneur.
2: Absolutely, my husband and I both come from that industry, and he worked as a as a sound editor over at Lucasfilm for like 35, 40 years. So we talk about this a lot about what the skills we learn doing that, how they help us, and for me, it's been invaluable because an editor has to be organized. Mm. If you are not organized, forget it. Nobody ever hires you back and you have to develop systems and cross-referencing and and things of this nature and you always have to be on top of it. You always so if somebody gives you a deadline, you better have been you better be done. I mean, there is no there's no room for slackers in that industry. And we tend to also become very A-type personality and work work ourselves to the bone. But I've taken those skills and I've applied them to, I think, a discipline of writing. When I talk to people about what I do, they always comment and say, wow, you are so disciplined. And I do. I have a schedule from this time to this time I do this, from this time to this time I market my book, from this time to this time I write my book, from this time to this time I do something else. I study craft. So I feel... I've always felt this way that every step that you take along life's path leads to the next step, leads to the next step, leads to the next step. And I can sort of see that snaking throughout my life and definitely organization, organization, also being being, I think, disciplined is very good. And also meeting deadlines. These are things that I have found that I've brought from the film industry as an editor. Definitely. That so, about me. yes.
1: So, yeah. So the editing craft is a very fascinating one because, you know, us writers, you know, we, uh, <laughs> I don't know if we fear the red pen or whatever, but, uh, it's, I found that it's in the edit that where the, the magic happens, actually. I know working on my memoir, you know, Brooke, she's you know, my memoir coach, but I had two or three, I think it's two other editors helped me bring it to where it was when I, when I met Brooke and I've always found the I don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe you, maybe you can tell me what is it in the editing craft and skill that sort of just makes something come alive? Because it, it, it's, it's a very distinct, valuable craft, art, alchemy <laughs> to, to, you know, to bring it alive. life. Well, so what is it about it? Because I think it applies to anything creative that has to meet a deadline, meet a page count, meet a, mm-hmm. you know, a time count, like anything. I'm just curious, what do you think about that?
2: Well, for starters, I think that writing a book and editing a movie, obviously in many ways are similar. You're still following usually a three act structure, depending if you're writing Working on fiction, there is a structure. So there's a inciting incident, and then there's like the middle build, and then there's the ending payoff. There are these things that occur that are similar, and I think a lot of it. A lot of times, you pick it up by osmosis. I I watch a tremendous amount of movies and and television, and I'm always studying and breaking it down and seeing where things occur. And so, what? Therefore, I've been really fortunate to work with some really amazing editors. I mean, editors that. I I almost have to gasp at what they do because I I, I just don't know how they do it. I mean, it's so incredible how they just have the wherewithal to put things together and to make things work in in an extraordinary way. So I think part of it is talent. I think part of it is, I, I mean, the editors that I think that do the best and probably with writers too, is the ones that really love to do it. I was never an editor who Loved to do it. I thought it was a really great (laughs) gig out of. I went to film school and it was a really great gig. And I was, you know, I worked as a first assistant, which meant I was like the editor's right hand for a really long time. And I would get burned out after two weeks and they'd throw me things to cut. And I, I was just never as into it as I am writing, certainly. But I've definitely looked and seen some extraordinary pieces of work with editors who just maybe they have a, a, a sixth sense about it. And I have learned a few things here and there, but I do find it similar in many ways to writing a book.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because a well-edited movie. Yeah. It's just a work of art. Um, I, I'm, Cause I'm always struggling with this because, you know, people say, okay, Hey, you you know, Jari, you're right. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. Okay. I write, you know, I write. Okay. I mean, I'm good at it, but you know, they're always like, how can you write so much stuff? And I said, well, look, I write a lot of stuff, but then I cut a lot of stuff because mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff's just garbage because I have to practice, you know, it's like a sport. You spend most of your time practicing the sport. You spend very little time actually competing in the sport. And that I think is to your point about discipline and about being really in love with the craft and like, Oh, this is, I just enjoy doing this. I, you know, you know, I, if, if you're a writer, you read a lot because in order to write better, you have to read Mm -hmm. things that are written well so that you can kind of process that. Um, And, you know, same thing with any kind of creative art. It's just so.
2: Also, if I think that I saw, aren't you, I think you are, aren't you associated with um, or have been a participant in StoryGrid?
1: Yes. I'm a StoryGrid editor.
2: I'm a StoryGrid editor enthusiast.
1: Right? Ah, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. ah, you're the first person I've ever interviewed that's not part of like the tribe over there. Well, like, wow, I feel like awesome. I'm on
2: the outskirts. I mean, I haven't shown <laughs> up to a class, but I, right now I've gone through, I've already listened to every podcast they've ever made. Yeah. And now yeah. I am listening to the ones that like probably a dozen that I need to know because I'm in Nana which is National Novel oh, Writing yeah. Month, so and I wanna, right. so and I'm every every novel I'm I'm developing this template of things yeah. I have to have, and and mm-hmm. so I I take from StoryGrid a lot, and I I find that that one of the things that I do I feel this year, especially during COVID, when it was everybody was in lockdown a little bit more and lockdown i think that's what they call it in england anyway
1: <laughs> shelter in place here shelter in the in u.s place, yes. or whatever yeah
2: but here i really discipline myself to spending time everyday learning craft yes and so therefore i would listen to the story grid podcast i'd look at the story grid book i'd i'd uh, listen to other podcasts like for example i do listen to brooks warner's podcast Uh as well and i really focused on that and it's interesting how this year i've noticed i'm much more up on my game Mm. but like everything i mean i started not really getting how to. for me i did not get it i was i thought okay here's an idea oh wait why doesn't it work and now i feel that every year that i put the time into it and the energy into it i come up with something a little bit better
1: Yeah. And I think that's a great lesson for entrepreneurs. Um, I always like to think of it as building a skill stack or talent stack. I know Scott Adams, the Dilbert cartoon guy talks a lot about skill stack. So, and and I'm a fan of this because, you know, as an entrepreneur, you don't know what's going to work. So even if you write a book, I don't know if my book's going to be successful. But what I do know is if I I put out the best amount of effort and I write it the best I can, I'm going to learn along the way that, Maybe it'll be successful, hopefully the next one or the next one, or the next one, because you're building this skill stack. And, you know, even with Story Grid, which I'm sure Sean and Tim will be very happy <laughs> that you're uh, <laughs> listening to the show. They're great, they're great guys. Um, I used to be, just as an aside, we used to do this thing called the Story Grid Editor Roundtable Podcast. I know so that I, one. Yeah. So I was on that one for five seasons, and people over there were awesome. And they, we were breakdown story and craft. And, and one of the things that's really important about that is, and, and I think this also applies to entrepreneurs, is you do have to keep up with the craft that you're good at and learn. And even if like, say, as an entrepreneur, you're not an expert in accounting or marketing or product development or whatever, um, you have to know a little bit. Um, and especially for author, an authorpreneur, if you're a solo authorpreneur, <laughs> it's pretty much up to you to not only write the thing, but market the thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you talk about discipline and what you've done in the past. How did you go about marketing your book once it was out? How, how did you get the, what was the process you went through?
2: Well, with Dog is My Doctor, Cat is My Nurse. There you had to get your own publicist. Did She write press. So I was really fortunate in that I met a woman at, I think it was at Brooks' book reading or maybe somebody else's book reading, but her name was Isabella Michonne and she was a publicist. And the thing was we connected immediately because she loves animals and we, we decided this is what happened. We decided, okay, Isabella, because I know how much work and effort I'm going to put into something. And I wanted somebody to match that or more mm-hmm. as a publicist. So I said, look, can you help me? And you take the West Coast and I'll take the East Coast. And I and by that, I meant that she was going to focus on getting me as much publicity as possible on the West Coast. And I was doing another program called the National Publicity Summit in New York. And I signed up for that. And that was an amazing three days where I spent pitching my book to all sorts of media organizations. And so I had every time I would get one or a TV or something, I'd go, I call Isabella, I go, what you get today? <laughs> and together we had a kind of this bombardment of media, which was really awesome. So that's how that started. And then, but I wasn't sure what to do. It was my first book, and nobody, I didn't really have, or I, there was a lot of information online, but you're not sure what to do. So Another thing that I think I'm good at is networking and talking to people. And so I went and I went to different, like, local things like BNI, Business Networking International, and Rotary Club and talked to people. And so they would get me little, you know, talks at these things. So I did that. And then I basically, I had, you know, I did a book tour where I had nine, I think, different places along the West Coast. And that was amazing because then I made more connections with your animal organizations because that's who I really wanted to connect with. I mean, uh, part of me doing all of this is to give back. So Mm -hmm. there will always be a percentage of my proceeds that are given back in some way Mm -hmm. uh, to to um, the organizations I associate with. And so they would tell other people and then that would snowball into something else. And so I just looked for. And at the end, what was great was, I know you've heard this probably, that if you're an author, you better be a presenter too, <laughs> right?
1: Yes. Don't they tell yeah. you that? Oh, yeah, yeah. And As of course, a, yes. Yes. yes.
2: And of course, public speaking is a big fear for a lot of people. Well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. after the book tour, well, I had done BNI, which business networking international, which makes you get up every day and say 60, or every Wednesday and say 60 seconds to your business group about something and. I had started taking uh, Toastmasters, which is another public speaking opportunity or organization. And by the end of the book tour, I was like, fine, I'll talk to whoever, whatever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You had your pitch nailed. You had it right nailed to the wall.
2: (laughs) I did. So I did a lot of like in San Francisco, I spoke at the Commonwealth Club.
1: Oh, wow. That's a big deal. It was
2: really awesome. That's fun. That's super fun. I did TEDx. So I basically started looking at every opportunity I could engage in that because I was a novice and I didn't really know what to do and also I am a big I like social media I like it and so therefore I'm big I do a lot of Facebook and um, now Instagram and I have an idea I'm writing or I have finished a memoir that I'm right now querying agents about but I have an idea for a video series. I'm a blogger now, but I have an idea for a video series that I can do around that. So mm. I think I might start doing that as well. So wow. I pretty much take everything that feels right to me and try to do something with it.
1: So, yeah. So how, 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 how many hours per day do you do like promotion and marketing, like just as oh. a general rule?
2: Well, I'll tell you, because this is NaNoWriMo month, Right. I'm, I limited on November because I really am I'm somebody who they, they ask you to write 1,700 or 1,667 words. Yep. Uh, and okay. I need to write 2,000 because.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, my friend Grant, who, who knows oh, Brooke, yeah. yeah, Grant, Grant, uh-huh. I'm a yeah. big supporter of NaNoWriMo. I, mm-hmm. I donate to their Young Writers um, oh, program, uh-huh. and Grant and I have coffee when we can all the time. He's in Berkeley and um, San Francisco. But yeah, that's how I met Brooke, is through Grant. And yeah, I'm a big Nano fan. In fact, I'm writing something for Nano Rhino. It's not a novel because I'm just—it's—it's it's actually a business book, um, because I'm just going to co-opt that, <laughs> that. Like, write something in November. Okay, I'll write a silly business book. But yeah, wow. So, but, okay. So, n- other than November, what would what would your normally Yes, other than
2: be? November, uh, I usually okay. So I get up and I'm right now. Well, I probably spend on marketing. It's too too. Two hours for sure, six days a week or two and a half hours. Wow. But the thing is, I also consider marketing, for example, uh, Joanna Penn has a lot of great marketing books and right now I seem to be going through them. And Mm -hmm. so therefore Mm -hmm. I'll spend uh, the way that I learn and I'm not saying anybody else learns this way is that when I'm reading a book, I also have to be outlining the important Mm -hmm. points of it. So right, it takes okay. me a while to get through those books because I'm outlining. And then later on, I'll just look at my notes and see what was the most important that applied to me. So I'll spend probably 30 minutes a day on that. So that's where my my 30 minutes comes in. But you know, anywhere from an hour and a half to two and a half, depending on what's happening. If there's a launch, I'm going to be spending a lot more time right. on that and maybe not even writing for a little while to, right. to get to that.
1: Wow. Two hours a day, six days a week.
2: But this is the deal is that I'm really fortunate. And then sometimes, you know, again, it'll be an hour and a half. But then I'm also learning. It's not like I'm actively doing something. I'm lear- I'm trying to learn, you know, right. because there's a right. lot that I don't know. Like Amazon ads are like confusing to me and I don't really know all that. And that's a you know, whole
1: other topic. Right?
2: <laughs> and there other, other topic. There's so much to learn. So I just use it as learning. So I may not be doing something actively to promote something. I may be learning something. And so, um, so yeah, so but I try to write also every day. I try to do something, you know. I blog and I do other things to keep those skills active.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and again, continue to sharpen the axe. Yeah.
2: I live in San, in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I moved from Marin County, which is your neighbor there, which is a mm-hmm. very expensive place to live, mm-hmm. to be a beautiful area that's much more affordable. So I'm not doing my jobs. You know, I'm focused now on my authorship
1: yeah wow so that's gosh two hours a that's a great that's actually a really good metric the reason i ask is that for entrepreneurs as well so if you're running a startup you know you build the product great but you also have to promote the product as i always say right half the battle right but the thing is, is that there's also like the management of the company, the CEO. So the CEO is like the author of the company, right? And in what I do for a living, you know, I do, I run JSYPR PR and marketing. You know, we help tech startups tell better stories. And every media outlet on the planet wants to hear from the CEO. <laughs> if I pitch them, they're like, ah, not another publicist, right? But a lot of times CEOs don't spend that much time on self-promotion or promoting the company. And I think it's just so myopic because you're that's your job. Like your job's to get out there. Like when they raise money is probably the only time where they're if they're doing it well they're like actively okay I'm, all I'm doing is raising money. Raising money is promotion and pitching and a whole you know raft of things. Um, and I'm I'm glad that you brought up that like you dedicate time to it. I don't think enough, I mean, I don't think enough authors dedicate that much time to it. I mean, I don't know if you what your author friends dedicate to promotion, but I know the ones I know, if it's two hours a month, they're lucky.
2: <laughs> well, the thing is, you're talking about the CEO. I'm the CEO. I'm also the person who runs out to get tea. You know, yeah.
1: For me. <laughs> right, right, right,
2: right. I'm the only person here. And right. I mean, I, I've thought about Yeah, getting virtual assistants and doing all of that. But part of me also, I feel that there's so much to learn being an author. There is so much to learn. So So basically this last year, I was just trying to wrap my mind around all of those things, at least having some awareness of what they were, and then just focusing on the most important things. So I believe that next year, so this was a big learning curve for me, even though I had been doing it for a few years before that. And I, I feel like next year will be even better. Like, even though I'm spending those two hours, you know, part of it, again, is reading and learning and, mm-hmm. you know, brainstorming and thinking and then promoting and then, you know, writing memes or whatever it is that you're doing. Okay? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, you are a writer. You should like the writing, the meme thing. Yeah. Yeah, I love so, it.
2: exactly. Right. Writing memes. No, but next year I feel like, okay, you know, it's just like going to school, right? You go for four mm-hmm. years to university. So I feel like that's what I've been doing. And maybe I'm a junior now. I don't know. You know maybe <laughs> gotten, or a sophomore, who knows, but I've learned some stuff and I really want to apply it this next year, this upcoming year and just be uh, much more, I guess, thorough or something or focused and then and every year you learn a little bit more
1: yeah well i mean there's also the discipline of it which i think Mm -hmm. you know anytime you can take your passion and your skill and apply discipline to it which implies effort because you really only have control your effort like i I tell people this all the time like oh well what's the return on investment on your pr marketing i'm like ah gosh that's hard to say Cause they want some sort of time certain thing like what well, you've mentioned Amazon ads or ads. Well, you know, the, the return on advertising spend is an easy number to get and it's pretty much, you know, baked into how Google and Facebook and Amazon do ads, but that doesn't mean that promotion PR marketing interviewing on awesome podcasts like mine <laughs> that doesn't have a return on investment. Right. um and it's interesting you mentioned like this learning curve because I think the more the more we learn about the different aspects of entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship, the the different challenges and struggles, I think the more comfortable we are. Like one of the things that I'm always I struggle with is um, sales. Now I've talked about this all the time. It's a, it's the S word. I don't like the S word, and I have all these friends that are really good at it, and all that. And I try to learn about it. And I'm like you, it's like I'm studying all this stuff and applying it all, but I just don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. Or hopefully next year I can then apply it more. Or I like I'm a I feel like I'm like a suit, like a sophomore junior, and I'm gonna <laughs> take to be a super senior before I get all this squared away. And and so how, how do you like, do you put, do you have like milestones for yourself or goals? Or is it just like I'm just gonna continuously learn? How does that work?
2: I do. I I have at on January first. I for, I do three things. I make a vision board. Oh, and then, cool! Vision and, board. Yeah, and, and that's always awesome. I always enjoy that. And I do it digitally, so it's not like I have to spend a lot of time gathering pictures. I just put one together digitally. Secondly, I make uh I make um like a year long kind of these boxes: January, February, March, and. I, and this year, because I never can get it all done. It's like yeah. I never can get it all done. Right, so this right. year, I've just decided in those boxes, besides the normal things I'm going to do, like I, I, pot, I, I usually do a newsletter every month, you know, and I write a, a blog and stuff like that. I'm not even going to put that on the list. I'm just going to put maybe one thing in each month, a major thing that needs to get done. For example, I think in January, I'm, I want to do an audiobook of dog is my doctor, cat is my nurse. And in January, that's when I'm going to focus on. And I'm, you know, I'm ready to go. And we just got to get, I think we just bought a microphone and whatnot. And so I'm going to get ready to go with that. So in February, so it's just one kind of big project for each month versus five projects that I never get done. And I think that's just also psychologically beneficial to me. It doesn't feel, it, it, it means that I don't have this massive things coming at me, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I think to myself, gosh, if I can get, you know, whatever that is in that month done, and that is my focus, that would be great. Like, even if it's a draft of a book, you know, that my yeah. second draft is always harder than the first. And so, oh, yeah.
1: right. <laughs> so yeah, oh, yeah. oh yeah. I'm going to folk
2: and I have three projects right now that I'm working on three different books, you know, in different stages that. We'll need you know something done with them. So I like I like schedules. I am a planner. I am yes. not a panther. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: our nano buddies out there. Yes, yes. I am a planner as well. Oh, I know yay. Grant is a bit of a panther. It's okay, heard. <laughs> it it funny story. Grant was the first person I ever interviewed for this show.
2: Oh wow! Very
1: first person in person at the San Francisco Writers Conference in February of 2020.
2: You know what I love about his show with Brooke? (laughs) One is they have two of the most beautiful voices. Yes. They have amazing voices and they sound so intelligent on. So I'm always, I'm very lulled by that. And and so I've always, um, I feel like I know Grant, but I don't. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's a great guy no he's, he's he's such a writer too I love mm-hmm. I always give him a hard time about because you know I'm more business entrepreneur and he's more creative and executive director of Nano NaNoWriMo and blah 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 you know he's like dresses all cool and he's got all these cool books I'm like bro like aren't you da 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 and the business stuff he just rolls his eyes right, like, come on <laughs> but yeah, yeah no um Go ahead. I'm sorry. So so
2: yes, I plan, I plan things. So I like to have it down and I I try to streamline as much as possible. I mean, that is definitely one thing I I learned from animals a lot about simplicity. Yes. So, yeah. So I simplify everything. So my, my schedule is very simple and which, you know, but what I do like about this is I, I also like to have a balanced life. I mean, I was an acupuncturist, you know, I talked to people all the time about balance and about, you know, well-being. And certainly, you know, dog is my doctor, cat is my nurse is about that and and how animals help us find balance. So I have added things to my life, which really help my writing and help my kind of business skills in a way because they have nothing to do with it. One is I hike every day with my dog or I ride my bike and she chases me and we go for about an hour and a half. And that is a given. And that's what you have to do really when you have dog you know you have to walk them you can't just like leave them in your yard all day so i do that so i make sure i get exercise and exercise is fantastic i also you know i'm studying french so i do that online and i i spend 30 like 20 to 30 minutes a day studying that um five days a week and then i also now start i've got a keyboard
1: oh cool! and i
2: am learning piano so those are fun ways to get your brain out of This because when it starts becoming too much of this is when I realize I may sit in front of a computer, but I'm not doing anything. I, I, you know, I I my mind wanders and whatnot. And for me, I always have to kind of be stimulated and doing different things. So I try to do a lot of different things to allow me to focus on the things that are important.
1: Yeah. I mean, some of my best ideas are when I'm working out. Yeah, hiking. You know, Mm -hmm. like literally today, went for a run in Golden Gate Park. Oh. Where I live close to it, and I'm just like have all the you know have all this clutter and just noise in my brain, and I'm like trying to think through some stuff, and gosh, I don't really know what to do, and uh, you know, and then all of a sudden it became clear, like the seas parted, <laughs> like oh, I should do that, and you know, I like write it down real quick, but it, yeah, I like I like that. I, I think not a lot of young entrepreneurs really understand the power of distance from a project distance to let your mind work on it and expand like it. Like I know a lot of people, they're like, yeah, they're, you know, working seven days a week, 12 hour plus days, crushing it. I'm like, you're not crushing it. You're not even, <laughs> you're generally like creative time and you're an author. I'd love your feedback on this. I probably have a, maybe a couple hours of creative time a day, where I can actually create something. Other than that, after that, it's like, it, it's so much harder to do because creativity takes a lot out of you.
2: It does. I I, I guess we're giving a lot of uh, airtime to to Grant and Brooke right now. <laughs> <laughs> NaNoWriMo
1: right now. Uh, yeah, well, we're NaNoWriMo. We can do that. <laughs> That's fine. People can learn a lot. So entrepreneurs can learn a lot about what they do for right. a national, write a novel, a 50,000 word novel in a month. Like, right. try to go do that. You think your cool little SaaS product's cool. Try writing a novel. It's hard. I've done it twice. It's hard.
2: But One of the things that I learned from last NaNoWriMo to this one is that, again, I put too much on my list last, last November. Mm-hmm. And I know not everybody has a lot of time, but I also find time wherever I can. Like if I'm waiting in somebody's office or whatever, I'm doing something. I'm always, everybody wonders why I carry my computer around. Mm-hmm. And this is why, because I have five or 10 extra minutes I'm going to do something. And I usually don't just hang around. But one thing that I did this year, because I've had the opportunity to do it, is NaNoWriMo is and getting my novel. And for me, I want to hit 60,000 words sixty thousand is more of you know that really that sixty thousand is what I want to hit so and I feel like okay that is my number one priority and i've told everybody don't expect to hear from me in the month of November i'm gonna be a recluse and if you do see me and I don't talk to you much don't take it personally i'm well, just I'm, in my I guess head.
1: i'm uh i'm honored that you're spending oh. the time talking on the pod because like, it's Roughly what, November 4th, when we're it is,
2: this. it is. But what I what I did was I, I think, okay, I will I'm doing it differently. And I know I'm not as fast a writer as other people are. I mean, mm-hmm. you you hear people, oh, I wrote four books in a year. I mean, I'm happy to write one book a year. Yeah. So what I do now is uh having taken in all the information from Uh, the story grid podcast from NaNoWriMo, they give you this amazing PDF of all these different things you can do to make your writing better. So I take all of that. And I just spend probably an hour and a half in bed as soon as I wake up. And I'm just thinking about I mean, I have it all outlined. But then I'm now thinking more of a bigger outline, what's going to happen here. And I just imagine it in my head. And I write it down. I put a picture, a picture of the day of what that is. Like today it was at a high school. So I put the four main characters in my thing so I could be looking at them as I do it. I make sure I hit the five commandments of storytelling.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Sean would be so proud.
2: (laughs) And then uh, I do a podcast or do, you know, whatever we're going to do today. And, you know, usually it's a hike or whatever. And then I come back and I, that is when I dedicate the time to those 2000 words Wow. And I usually will be done by about five o'clock because then it's time to go to the dog park. And I've noticed that I'm getting it done, but I'm also happier doing it. It's not this thing of like, Oh my God, Oh my God, I'm not getting done. It's just more of a, Hey, I'm going on this great adventure. This is really fun. I really like these characters. What am I going to do? Which to me is the whole point of doing this. It's yeah. Yeah. You know, making money is really great. And, Feeling successful, I think, is feels really good, but the enjoyment of it, I just don't want to do anything I don't thoroughly enjoy. And right now, I've gotten to a point that I'm thoroughly enjoying this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Every entrepreneur should heed that awesome advice. I know uh, a lot of times you get distracted with fame, fortune, and prestige, and all that sort of stuff. And it's just not worth it to chase the money. Like you said, you just you you want to enjoy it. And when when you when you're good at your craft, as you are, when you're learning and leveling up your craft, as Sean likes to say, <laughs> level up your craft, um, it gets easier. And same with entrepreneurs and companies. Your first company may be a total disaster, and it may be like I'm working too much. I don't know what to do. The second company is going to be easier. The third company, the fourth company, just like the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, tenth book. Um, the journey is what you just really have to focus on. And it's just really, really powerful that way. And it's it's interesting. I'm curious about, you know, you, you wrote a book about how animals uh, help us become more healthy as humans. Um, I have found this just through experience of my first dog and then the dog we have now. I'm, I'm interested in how that plays a role in your life. I mean, you say you go to the dog park and everything, then they your dog chases you <laughs> as you bike around. What are some of the things that people can do related to that? Because I know uh, a lot of people with PTSD and trauma use animals to help them. And I also know, at least all the entrepreneurs I know that have animals <laughs> are like, they're a lot chiller. <laughs> They seem to have like a little more, I don't know what it is. What, what is it? Do you know what it is? What is it about taking care of an animal and having that relationship that just is so powerful? It
2: is it, to be honest. I mean, some people maybe do other things that kind of really uh, nurture their spirit, but for me, it's animals, it's animals in every single way. And I'm really fortunate Because I also am a big proponent of adopting animals versus buying them from breeders, because there are so many, so many millions of animals that need our help and they need and they would be such great companions to people who are suffering from PTSD or high levels of stress just from their work or anxiety, depression. I mean, there's a ton of scientific studies out there that show how invaluable they are. And I think for entrepreneurs, especially entrepreneurs who maybe show up to the office once in a while, they can bring their dog. You know, an entrepreneur works at home. Oh, here, I can be around my cat. Or an entrepreneur, you know, look at all the entrepreneurs in vans now, or driving around yeah. the country yeah. living in their vans. Yeah I, yeah. yeah, I have a friend who is doing that right now. And she's got her dog with her. And so there, there is, there is something that I, I don't know that anybody can really say exactly what happens, but it's when you develop a relationship, and that's you know you can get a dog and then like feed them and then not walk them or not pay attention to them, and you're not really going to get a lot. And unfortunately, your dog will suffer or your cat. Yeah. But yeah. if you are mindful that there is this thing called the animal-human bond, or the way I like to you know refer to it as the animal-human health connection, that there is a energetic bond, something unspoken that goes on when you start to notice and pay attention and be mindful, that is very powerful. And I I think it has, because there isn't any real way to explain it. I think, I think that there's an energy, there's an energy when you feel somebody walk into a room who you like, or you don't like, right, there is an energy that you feel. And if we were all sort of a little more aware of that, I think that that's invaluable. And I I find that with animals, like, for example, I adopted this dog, Grace, about a year and a half ago, right before COVID from a very awful hoarding situation in Northern New Mexico. She was out there. I mean, it was horrible out there. She had been attacked by a mountain lion. So she Mm. had like, she has still has a scar on her back from that. Wow. And she was extremely scared. She didn't want to be around anybody. She didn't want to eat. She just, it looked to me when I got her that her spirit was just gone. Her spirit was just crushed. Wow. And what happened? But over time and giving her good care and, and not forcing her to love us, you know, just letting her be on her own terms, but we were always there for her. And we, you know, caring for somebody else, you know, being of service to others is, yes. you know, that has been shown to be really beneficial to us. But I find that when you do it, especially to a dog, what they will give back to you is a thousandfold. I mean, her gratitude is off the charts. I mean, people can't believe that this dog is the same dog she was a year and a half ago. People who see her at the dog park. I mean, she wouldn't go near other dogs or people. And now she plays all the time. She's the first to greet people And, um, you know, I've never had to really put a leash on her because she just stays by me. We walk, she sees coyotes, she doesn't chase them. Or if she does, I call her, she comes back. I mean, this is terrible. But the other day I accidentally left the gate open and I went to a neighbor's. And when I came out, she was just sitting in front of the neighbor's house waiting for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know where you are. I'm watching Uh, you.
2: Exactly. So I just find that it's, it's. You know, animals to me and the connection I've had to them, and I know I'm not alone, has been one of the most powerful things I've ever experienced. And certainly, I wouldn't have written that book, Dog is My Doctor, Cat is My Nurse, if I hadn't had, at the time, a six-pack, four dogs and two cats, all of them rescues who had a lot of issues and wow. they taught a lot about that's life.
1: Some, that's some Dr. Doolittle stuff right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carlene, thank you so much for being on the show. This has just been so fascinating. As I as I always tell uh, um, Alyssa, who does my um, my show notes, she always loves it when I have authors on because it's always like for her, like oh, another author, how cool! So oh, yay! Um, thank you so much for your time and your uh, effort. Good luck on Nano I'm pulling for you. Sixty thousand words. Just put that in perspective: two thousand words a day for thirty days. Grant, Brooke, <laughs> keep up the good work. You got two fans here. Thanks Yes, again. And,
2: and hi, Tim and uh, and Oh, yeah, uh, hi, Tim and
1: Sean. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to they'll love that. I mean, like, it's hard to, you know, you, you do these sort of things. And then, you know, people say, hey, I read your book. Oh, you did? Someone read my book, you know? Like, oh, you got some value out of it? And, you know, StoryGrid is one of those things that was really valuable for me as well, right, when I'm writing. So, yeah, those guys are great. Take care.
2: Well, it's been a joy. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Carleen, for being on the show. I really appreciated the interview. And of course, I love authors, so it was great to talk with you. Now, as promised, here are some actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Carleen. Don't ignore that voice inside you. Carleen says she spent a lot of years not doing what she really wanted to do. However, she takes what she learned in all those experiences like being really organized and self-disciplined to keep her on track. And yeah, there's a you know a lot of things that you can do on this. I mean, you may start off on one career and go to another career. And I always say, you know, innovation and like coolness happens at the intersection of different things. So even if you're not necessarily on the track you're on right now, see if there's some adjacent things you can do. So ask your ask yourself the question. What skills do I have that can transfer it over to other things? And what adjacent things can I do as she did with her stuff? Be of service. Carleen has connected with numerous animal welfare organizations and given back a portion of the proceeds from her book to help animals. The connection she's made has also given her a network to tap into for speaking engagements and events. It is so important to be of service to your community, no matter how small or how big. I personally feel that service to a community um, is the greater good. And all of us entrepreneurs, as I always say, since we've been given the honor of doing this, we need to do some good with it. So yeah, ask yourself, how can you be of service? What are some of the things that you're good at? What does your community need? Um, Really powerful and important. And I think that's how we build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. So strive for balance and joy. Find other ways to be creative and be physically active. This can help you get out of your own head and come up with ideas and solutions you might not get to otherwise, as well as help keeping things in perspective. And, well, I can't stress this enough. My best ideas happen when I'm rolling jiu-jitsu or, you know, running or lifting weights or whatever. Well, maybe not so much rolling jiu-jitsu because I'm trying not to get choked out. But there has to be this... Point, I think in your day and I think it's every day where you have to rest your mind and sort of recuperate and do something physical I think the physicality just helps you like reset in a good way So yeah, think about you know, what are some things physically I can do? What time of the day am I most productive? When do I need an energy boost? You know, these are some things to really think about so There you have it the actionable insights from my interview Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?